I'm not sure if I mentioned it before, but when my friend Clay Mason Bannerman and I want to impress our new lady friends, Tiffer and Mickey, we don't even have to take them to a restaurant. That's because we have an entire freezer stocked full of butcher box, and that includes high-quality meat and seafood that we can trust. It's so convenient. It's delivered right to our doorstep, and there's always free shipping. I mean, where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Tiffer and Mickey love it, and so will you. At least one of them is always around asking when the new ButcherBox is arriving. Sign up at ButcherBox.com slash mega and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional 20 bucks off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash mega and use code mega to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus 20 bucks off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Last time on the rise and fall of Twin Hills. I screamed out, oh my God, the glass ceiling, you know, of the atrium. And he said, you did this. You broke the glass ceiling. I'm here to tell you that according to the state of Indiana, he does not have to admit any wrongdoing, and Miss Dumb Shit has the settlement to do whatever she wants with, okay? Hey there, uh, yeah, you need a ride? To understand where we are going, first, we must understand where we have been. And by we, I mean me. And also by we, I mean you. I guess what I'm saying is, picture this. I'm standing on the side of Brower Avenue in Indianapolis, Indiana. My clothes are torn and dirty. My sprained ankle is swollen to the size of a Cornish hen, and a strange rash is spreading over my hindquarters and up the small of my back from a rat bite I had received while crouching behind a dumpster. I'm drunk, delirious, and my personal life is in freefall. My head is pounding, possibly from the alcohol, but also from the shocking scandals that I have uncovered at Twin Hills Church with my groundbreaking podcast. But to those in my dangerous line of work, this might all come as no surprise. You see, as an investigative journalist hell-bent on rooting out injustice wherever it might raise its ugly head, I would love to be sitting at home doing things that normal people do, like petting a dog, planting radishes, or pursuing my little hobby of eating at restaurants and writing reviews about it for friends and family on my blog. But instead, here I am, chasing a story that somehow started chasing me. The story? was Steve Judson, and instead of getting run over by it, I decided to climb in and ride shotgun. Hey, how you doing, bud? Can I help you out? This is the rise and fall of Twin Hills. Sure, there are reasons to question your process. Some outsiders do. Take 
My name is Grant Haish, and a short time ago, I began looking into the strange and elusive Steve Judson, the superstar megachurch pastor of Twin Hills Community Church. It hadn't been easy. I had received death threats, sustained physical abuse, and been intimidated by those closest to Steve who would stop at nothing to protect his image and his ego. But something drove me forward. Call it fate, determination, or my desperate desire for relevance that kept me returning to the buffet that was Steve Judson. Speaking of buffets, if you're looking for a great one, try Condimentals on 64th. For the low cost of $22, every diner receives an all-you-can-eat base layer of pasta or bread and a sauce bar of over 100 different condiments to decorate it with. I recently tried penne with Himalayan ketchup and Marmite in what can only be called a hallucination of the senses. But food blogging was a hobby now. This story had consumed me. Like Christians would say, it had become my calling. A calling, for those in the know, is what you say when you really want to do something but need a larger justification beyond your own selfish desires to do it. When you say you are called by God, no one can argue with you. And now, because I had followed my calling, God, or whatever, had blessed me with the very man I had been seeking, Steve. Have you ever heard this song? Blind man sat by the road and he cried. Blind man sat by the road and he cried. He cried, oh. Have you heard that one? It's fantastic. And I was riding next to him. Hey, what, you have one of those bottomless burrito bowls at Bongo Bills? <laughs> those will hit you really hard. I've had a few of those myself. After I eat Bongo Bills, sometimes it comes out both ways for me. <laughs> out here and out there. He was tall, dressed in a distressed t-shirt, leather jacket, and jeans. A WWJD bracelet jangling merrily next to a vintage Rolex on his wrist as he shifted gears. Why had he stopped? On any given day, there must be dozens of drunk men with their pants halfway down their legs, sprinting across Brower Avenue, screaming from a rat bite. But why me? Why today? I tried to ask him. You remind me of a story. A true story. The best kind of story there is. A story about a Samaritan. But instead of just answering, he went ahead and told me a Bible story without my consent. And what happened was there was this gentleman who walked by and... Well, he looked at this guy on the ground who was downtrodden. Maybe he didn't have a house. Maybe he didn't have a job. Maybe he didn't have a car. And he walked right by him. Didn't give him the time of the day. The next guy comes by, and he looks at the same guy. And he says, wow, look at those clothes. Those aren't designer jeans. That's not a combed mustache, what have you. And he keeps walking. And then who comes by? Well, this guy was a Samaritan. You ever heard of a Samaritan? These are a group of people, and they were known for hating people just like that guy on the ground, the Israelites. And he, he looked at that guy, and he was like, well, he is an Israelite, but, um, but hey, I got the light of God in my heart. I got, I got love. I got compassion. And in this moment, regardless of who he is, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to help that guy. And he did, and that's what I just did to you. Steve smiled. Clearly, he thought that story had somehow cleared everything up. It hadn't. But in my adult state, I'm not sure what would have. He winked, and I realized that Steve was waiting for me to recognize him. Yeah, my name's Steve. I stared. Steve Judson? And when I gave no indication, he went on. I am the pastor of Twin Hills Community Church, and yeah, I'm a little bit known around here. Yeah, I get a free coffee at Cuppies. And I get a free donut at Donnie's. 
Maybe you've seen my photo up at Terry's Dry Cleaners. I'm right next to Florence Anderson. I realized I shouldn't show Steve my hand, mostly because I had cut it on some broken glass, but also because he clearly didn't know I was a world-class podcaster on the verge of destroying his empire. But I had so many questions if I could just get him talking. But it turns out I didn't need to. Steve loved to talk about himself. Blessed to do what I do. Blessed to wake up every single day to work with the people that I work with and praise the people that I praise with. And of course, Jesus. Grant, you know, the love you have for Christ is unlike the love you have for, I don't know, whatever, a car or a woman or a burrito. It's a lot different. In fact, it hits you not here in the head, but here in the chest. And that's when God speaks to you. He doesn't speak through your mind. You don't need to use your mind so much. Have you been thinking too much with your head, Grant? I had been thinking a lot with my head. But up until this point, my head had mostly steered me right. True, it had told me to leave a good-paying job as a marketing director to start a food blog. And yes, my head had also told me that my wife would never leave me, even though in our last couples therapy session, she had said, quote, I'm going to leave you. I just need to get some things in order first. And yes, my head had told me that even though she had left me, and I had somehow fallen back into a dangerous state of chemical dependency, injury, disease, and despair, that podcasting would be a viable third career. I wondered, had I been thinking too much? Grant, you ever think that God has a plan for you, and God has a plan for us? I didn't know. At this point, I was feeling nauseous and wondering if I had ever owned two shoes, since one Sperry Topsider was now missing. Because I'll tell you what, no plan is like no menu in a restaurant. What do they serve here? Right? So let's get an idea of what you want, and let's put that plan together. Because as you put that plan together, you'll pray about it, and then God will give you that plan. That's how it works. Like any good evangelist, Steve knew his audience. He was talking like a food blogger. God has a menu, all right? And he will provide you with food items for that menu. And and guess what? God's also the the delivery man. And God's also the head cook. And God's also that sassy waitress. And the busboy. And the cleaning staff at night. And the guys that plow the driveway when it snows. He's everything. All you gotta do is order Jesus, Grant. Go ahead. Order the number one special. The number one special. Jesus, or Jesus Christ as he was known to his friends. I guess up until this point, I had not really considered who or what Jesus was. As a battle-hardened journalist, I had seen the world Jesus had created, and I was cynical. And the idea of accepting him into my heart in exchange for an eternity singing some of the worst music ever created seemed like a bad deal. But as I watched Steve driving, smiling, chatting away without a care in the world, I started to see how he and Jesus made one hell of a team. And here I was, like David in the Bible, trying to hurl stones at a giant. And instead of hitting him, I was letting him drive me around in his cool car. And then something strange happened. All you gotta do is order Jesus, Grant. That's what I did. And then I got a big fat bowl of Chinese noodles on the side. Chinese Chinese noodles. The words echoed in my brain. If you remember from episode one, which you probably don't, Chinese noodles were a food that Steve detested. 
In fact, Steve went so far as to build a massive church on top of a Chinese noodle restaurant just to get rid of the smell of them in his office. And so, despite my impaired state, I resorted to the only thing I could think of that a journalist might do when hearing a conflicting piece of critical information. I asked a follow-up question. When you start liking China noodles. Wait, why would you ask me that? You're not recording this, are you? This has got you journalism, isn't it? This is some of that, that uh, getcha, getcha, gotcha journalism, isn't it? And another. You like noodles, though? Grant, you are so close to the edge right now. I do three dangerous things in my life. I beat ass, I praise Jesus, and I'm a family man. You have not seen one of those things. I'm going to give you one chance, okay? You're going to pack it up, throw it away, and we'll just put all this behind us. But I knew I couldn't stop now. And like David with his sling, I lobbed a question right at Steve's head. A place that he didn't think with. A question that only Steve would know. What do you know about jazz? A question that stopped him in his tracks. Oh, shit! You know... This is hard, okay? I don't, I, I'm not Steve. I, I'm not Steve Judson. I'm not Steve Judson. And this is his car, but I'm not Steve Judson, all right? After this short break. For the second time that day, my world had been turned upside down. The first time was when I had caught my jean jacket on the windowsill of Pam Avenatti's law office before falling six feet into a holly bush. And the second was that the man behind the wheel of the car that I was riding in, that I had heretofore thought was Steve Judson, was someone else. And now that I looked more closely, I became certain that this man clearly wasn't Steve. For one thing, he had just told me he wasn't. Also, this Steve's hair was thinning. His hairpiece, though expensive looking, gave the impression that it was running away from his head. And although he was tall, this Steve was easily 50 pounds heavier than the pictures of the svelte man that festooned the halls of Twin Hills Community Church. This Steve was haggard, tired, like Ted Haggard haggard. But if this wasn't Steve, who was it? Larry, (laughs) my real name is Larry, Larry Super. Larry Super, a name that I would soon forget. But how had Larry Super come to drive around in Steve Judson's Mustang, pretending to be Steve? I saw this on Facebook Marketplace, and, you know, I, they're not supposed to post jobs, so I was like, wow, this must be a cool job or else they wouldn't allow it. And it kind of led me into this really weird secret world for a little while. Facebook Marketplace, the Silk Road of middle-aged women and politically radicalized uncles everywhere. The perfect place for Twin Hills to do its dirty business. The job posting says, do you like adventure? Are you able to speak in front of people? Can you lie? Are you friendly? Like, really headline-y types of things that I was like, yes, 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 yes. You know what I mean? I did, but also I didn't. There were some physical characteristics, too. You had to be six foot one. And you had to have salt and pepper hair. And you had to look a little bit like the photo they had, which was Steve Judson. Everybody knows who Steve Judson is. So, And I do. So I decided to follow up on that, that ad. And, well, it took me down a really weird winding road. 
It also became clear to me that the more he talked, the more he sounded nothing like the Steve Judson I had carefully studied in the two YouTube clips that I had watched. Men of God, like Alexander Hamilton, do not throw away their shot. Like a cheap wax museum figure, Larry was a crude approximation of Steve. And now, like a slowly melting Jimmy Cagney, he was stuck in the spotlight. This is about four years ago. And, you know, he sends me a check every month. I cash it and it keeps going. So I haven't said anything. Just like Joe Biden and his numerous body doubles, Larry and Steve could never be in the same place at the same time. In fact, Larry had never met Steve. No, never. I, I never even heard his voice. I mean, I've, I've seen him on TV and whatnot, but in real life, I, he just it's not who I was talking to. At first, Larry's new life as Steve seemed like a dream come true. He had nice things, people loved him, and he was Christian famous, which is like adult film star famous. You're known, but most people don't want to admit they know you. But the honeymoon was short-lived. There's so much pressure to be Steve. Do you know how many people are waiting on the word every week? I mean, I, I spent so much time in each one of those sermons trying to copy and paste and take old sermons and put them with the new ones and mix current affairs and thank God for chat GPT because now I don't have to do any of it. It does it for me. Before Larry had become Steve, he had lived in Des Moines and run his family's German Shepherd breeding mill until it got shut down by the singer Sarah McLaughlin in the late 90s. Yeah, I think she was just bored after Lilith Fairtanks and she was just looking for someone to pick on. Dogless and home free, he bounced around from job to job before settling in Milwaukee. You know, that's where a lot of Germans end up settling back in the 1800s. So I ended up going up there for a little while, making a career as a carpenter, much like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But of course, I didn't make that connection because I was a complete atheist until I took up this ad. And despite a state-ordered vasectomy at the age of 16, Larry had ended up with a family. I married a woman who had three children, and I did adopt all three of those children, but we never were close, and I was never really their blood father. So when I decided to take this job for a while, I didn't expect it to cause the kind of problems that it ended up causing. It turned out, a man that sort of looked like Steve, with nothing to lose, was the perfect stand-in for the real Steve, who looked exactly like himself and had everything to gain. Well, the first time they picked me up was at the Denver airport, which was very strange because it's nowhere near Indianapolis, and we drove for hours. I had a bag over my head, and all these men did as well. They had those bakla masks, you know, you see all over the place now, the baklavas. Yeah, they that they, everybody had one. They looked like uh, Hamas or something like that. And I was in the back of the van. They had guns and had a surgeon. And during the ride to Indianapolis, they performed a little minor facial reconstruction surgery on me just to get it right because they said Steve had some vein that I didn't, whatever. And when we get there, they take me through basically what was, I don't know, Twin Hills boot camp. I'm learning all the sermons. I'm learning how to preach. They're whipping me. They're waterboarding me. They sanded away my fingerprints. I, I had to lose 50 pounds and then gain back 20 because I didn't have the weight in the right spots. I was starting to become Steve. I was starting to walk and talk and make love like Steve. To this day, I'm, I'm not sure who I am anymore. This is, this is actually the first time I've, I've been out of the Steve since I got into the Steve. As Larry told me his story, I saw that this job of impersonating Steve was more like the other word we use for a job, 
prison. They said, all I had to do is do this to the age of 60, all right? If I did that, they said I could have enough money to retire in Florida and die in a decent-sized nursing home. This story was becoming like a Russian doll. Not one of the nesting dolls, but one of the porcelain ones that looks like a dead child staring at you from every point in the room. My grandmother had one of these dolls that she claimed walked around the attic at night. After she died in a mysterious fire on Halloween, the only thing we recovered was the doll, which I named Nanny and still sleep with when my wife is traveling. And when I do, it, like this story, seems like it's hiding something. Larry, on the other hand, was an open book. I tried to get out, but they dragged me back in every time. They get to my past, and my past is dark. And it's at this point where I probably should just say, yeah, I'm a horrible human being. But I'm still controlled by the blackmail that they have. Pictures of me with a prostitute in the privacy of my own car. Pictures of me with a prostitute at a restaurant. Pictures of me with a prostitute at church while I'm trying to work on my sermon. Pictures of me taking that same prostitute to Vegas. Pictures of me shirtless at an old country buffet on the roast beef counter with a prostitute. This behavior was classic Stockholm Syndrome, the psychological condition of a victim who identifies with their captor and his goals, a term I had Googled just moments before. But despite all this, Larry still believed. Like I say, Steve's a hell of a pastor. I mean, he, he convinced me along the way, and yeah, I, I, I actually think I believe this stuff. You know, listen, I consider myself a Christ actor, okay? Not a crisis actor, a Christist actor, because this is for a bigger reason, for a higher power. If you start looking into these public figures, just about everyone has one. Bono has one. The real James Dobson died 10 years ago. It's like Lassie. They just keep changing out the Dobsons. But I wasn't listening. As Larry eased the Mustang into the bright lights of what I thought might be a hospital, the burn from the rat bite enveloped my entire being. I was breathing heavily, delirious with fever, taking small pulls off a bottle of liquid smoke that I had found in the dumpster. And then Larry turned to me, serious, a terrifying and angelic messenger of truth. Grant, I'm going to tell you something right now and it might save your life, all right? I waited, knowing that whatever might happen next was what I would put right now in this podcast. Get out, Grant. But how? I had come so far and gotten so close to the man at the center of it all. And I had lost so much, like my shoe and maybe my wallet. How could Larry think that I could stop now? Yeah, you got to get out of here. Get out. I got to get the choir practice. I did, and Larry was gone. And as I watched the taillights of the Mustang drive away, like Jesus in the tomb before he rolled the boulder away, everything went black. There he is. <laughs> Welcome back. I turned. I saw you had equipment, so I turned it on. As I came to, I realized I was in a hospital room. The bright lights and antiseptic smell reminded me of my days as a struggling food blogger, gnawing through some subpar hoagie in the back of one of Indy's two-bit eateries. By the way, for good hoagies, try Carmichael's and their famous five-meat lunch special. I'm just going to give you a quick little examination while you're awake here. 
but right now I was being examined by Dr. Dean, or so his ID badge suggested, his cherubic face and half glasses perched on his gently sloping forehead. Whatever, I don't really know how to describe people's appearance. Whatever the case, he looked like he might try to kiss me. Or... Now, this, my hand might be cold. These feel good. You notice any lumps or anything down here? No. Okay. It's good. That's good. And they're retracting up like they should when something cold is happening. It was starting to come back now. The drinking with Pam, the margaritas at Bongo Bill's, and the ride with Larry that had given me a peek into the endless labyrinth of deceit and treachery that was Steve Judson. But it was all so blurry and seemingly impossible. Were you drinking? Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. And is that something you do a lot of? Open your mouth? All right. I just got to get my fingers in here just a little bit. Ah, uh, yeah. And now, disoriented, sick of bed, I was beginning to doubt if any of it had happened at all. All right, cowboy, you're going through what I also like to call a little bit of drinker's brain. You kind of just don't know what happened, huh? Night's kind of a blur. You're talking to a, a real sauce boss himself. Trust me, I was a lot like you, waking up in weird places, not knowing how certain scrapes got on me. And the more Dr. Dean talked, the more I realized he was going to tell me, even though I didn't really care. When I was young and wild, I would just marry anything that said I love you. Three ex-wives before I, I found the doctorhood. All absolutely stunning, beautiful gals. My first wife, Bethany, the night I met her, it turned out she was a cheerleader for the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, are you kidding me? Every little boy's dream to meet a cheerleader, right? Turned out she just worked in the front office, you know. My cheerleader had kind of turned into a assistant secretary. And she looked at he went on. My second wife was actually a Hooters waitress. I was a big fan of Hooters back in the day. What guy wasn't? She just worked back of the house. She worked the books. They do not wear the shirts or the shorts. And even with Dr. Dean's fingers still in my mouth, I was certain I would hear about wife number three. My third wife, now this was a true love affair, just a regular old gal. I, I say this politely, she was like a boulder. Very short and round. She was a lawyer. Kind of like uh, the caramel M&M is what I'm saying. I get why Tucker Carlson's all revved up about her. Because, yeah, that's probably my ideal woman. We met at an AA meeting. And, Christ, we were bad for each other, man. It was one of those. Uh, did you ever see Breaking Bad? You remember when Jesse met the other druggy girl? It's hot and wild. But they were bad for each other. And if three failed marriages wasn't bad enough... Dr. Dean went on to make a string of other bad life decisions. I tried to lead a country western band as a singer. I tried to lead a dark metal band as a singer. I started taking improv classes and thought I could rap. I tried that for a while. Now that I've gotten away from all that, I, you know, I still dabble. I have a bunch of buddies that like to play and we're trying to put something together called new grunge. Sounds exactly like old grunge. Morning breaks. Morning shakes. Molly's crying. So that's Molly's song. It's a little bit slower. I kind of wrote that when I was babysitting my niece and she was just a fucking pain in the ass. My brain was on fire and my mouth a desert. I couldn't tell if it was from all that I had been through or Dr. Dean's stories. Can you take your shirt off for me? I'd help you, but I need to make sure you can get it off yourself. Oh, wow. There you go. Look at these little pepperonis. 
But despite my clearly failing health, I knew I had to get this story back on track. Maybe Dr. Dean knew something, anything, about Steve Judson. And so, I asked him. Twin Hills Community Church. Oh boy. Yeah, circus of nonsense. That's when he spun in his chair and picked up a Bible that was laying conveniently on the side table. This is a comic book where nothing fun happens and you're made to feel bad about yourself the whole time. It's fear. What that man sells is fear. I now live in a world of fact. I now live in a world of science. Religion is all fear-based garbage. And as he spoke, his passion grew. Something that I hadn't seen in him since he talked about his third wife just minutes before. I know this because I know science. I know truth, right? And that this is what being a doctor, when you go to doctor school, this is what they teach you. These are nipples, elbow, knee, fingers, toes, button ears, and little nose, right? That's truth. It wasn't made from the rib of some like hunky guy in a forest. This was made because a man loved a woman and he pumped enough times until the excitement got so great, the blood rushed forward and launched and swooshed up into her guts. And the, the lucky one smashed through the egg, right? And it's being held by this beautiful, gorgeous, these two little arms inside the woman. That's fact. That's truth. And as he waved the holy scripture over his head to make his point, ironically, Dr. Dean used a metaphor from the only other book I had heard Christians talk about more than the Bible. Do you know Lord of the Rings? You want to know what Steve and his church are? That's Mordor, man. I just want you to say, Steve, Jesus, the Bible, church is all nonsense. What do you say? I pat you up. I give you your magic ring back. You go back to the Shire to celebrate your 1100th birthday. You live in a world of science now. Shake my hand. Deep inside, I felt a shift. And when I realized it wasn't a burrito bowl coming back for me, I knew it must be something else. My intuition. Here was a doctor willing to help me willing to alleviate my pain if I would just deny Steve. I was reminded of a story in the Bible that was adapted into the movie Devil's Advocate, starring Keanu Reeves. In it, Satan and Jesus are hanging out. They're up on a vista. It's sunset. The vibes are immaculate. And Satan turns to Christ and says something like, if you would just kneel down, show me your prostate, and worship me, all of this could be yours. It almost sounded like something a doctor might say. I looked at Dr. Dean's outstretched hand, somehow knowing that he could promise me the world, but give me nothing. And so, I pushed it away. That's when Dr. Dean gave me a knowing smile. He stood up, walked across the room, and opened the door to the man that had been listening the whole time. That man was the real Steve Judson. Won't stick. No, no, no. 
The Rise and Fall of Twin Hills was created by Mega the Podcast and written by Greg Hess with characters improvised by Brian Jack and Brendan Jennings. Grant is me, Greg Hess. Our theme song was written and performed by Joel Hansen. The series was edited by Hannah Parsons. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend or rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. As you can imagine, this series took an extra special amount of work and resources for a small podcast like ours. You can help us continue to put out great stuff like this by supporting our Patreon, using our sponsors, or subscribing to an ad-free feed. All of those links are in the show notes. See you next week for the final episode. Thank you.